this is uh, this is uh, Bell and the Birdman's page. If you're an Eagles fan, this is my other podcast, and I guess that's how we're gonna roll with it tonight. Doctor Z, how are you? I'm great. <laughs> this is why I'm not like Instagram and me are are like oil and water. So I'm we'll great. Yeah, but like it's a good plug for your for your podcast. It is. It is. So there it is. Yeah. yeah. Mental health and the Eagles don't go well together, but uh, if somehow you uh, need to escape that realm of sports. This is why we're here on normally Sunday nights, but hey, Labor Day, Rosh Hashanah. Hope everyone had a great extended weekend. Hope you are in beach, alcohol, fun, whatever it is that uh, you are doing here. Dr. Z, how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> My air conditioning's still broken. Oh, how, this is like week three, your air conditioning. I don't, I, I, yeah. It's, are you going to just, uh, are, are you doing the old college thing where you would um, free seats and then, you know, put them out for the night? You ever I've done something no. like Oh, yeah, yeah. That's genius. Yeah. No air conditioning, 80 plus degrees, put your sheets in the freezer and then pull them back out when you're ready to go to bed. What they <laughs> don't teach you at Ohio State. <laughs> went to a real Big Ten school like Iowa, they would have taught you that. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. we went. But um, one thing that we uh, completely agree on is that... Go Bucks? Uh, go Bucks? Uh, sure, sure. But no, not at all. But, but, <laughs> not even but, a little. <laughs> um, uh, tonight's topic uh, in session has been, uh, honestly, some really good questions. Some like really my good- mug. Ooh, I do like that. Very. Is that, uh, is that new? No. Did Gary B send that to you in his vintage uh, coffee collection <laughs> mug? Thing no. that- Going on? I don't know. No. no? Okay. No. no. Um, I, uh, I, you know, most of the time when we hear the words social anxiety, uh, you and I talked about this beforehand, and I, you know, I don't like being around people a lot of the time hanging out. I mean, I enjoy, you know, dinners. I enjoy parties. I enjoy going going to things that other a bunch of people don't know I'm going to. So that's that's the 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 stuff I like to be socially. That doesn't mean I'm don't have a, I'm not socially I don't have any social anxiety I just just don't like a lot of people I think right. don't like a lot of people uh, they like their own space so on and so on so mm-hmm. not wanting to go to a party is not social anxiety correct correct it's not wanting to go to a party maybe you're tired maybe you your brain's just fried because you work too long and you're just tired yeah so that's no that is not social anxiety what is social anxiety and because, like like many others, I'm sure there's many subcategories in, in here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So social anxiety is a almost kind of paralyzing fear that you have in social situations, which we'll talk about the different types, but in social situations where you are so preoccupied with the anxiety that you have, either that people are judging you, that's a big one, People are thinking you're stupid. People are looking at you. There's something wrong with what you're wearing. There's something wrong with your hair. Or, you know, um, it's just this this very deep-seated anxiety that every single person is judging you. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying because even though they can say, well, I know no one's literally looking at me, it doesn't necessarily click. Mm -hmm. And the real kind of indicator of social anxiety is the degree, like any of the disorders we talk about, is the degree to which it interferes with your functioning. So let's say, for example, that you didn't go to the party, right? But if that's a common occurrence for you, and let's say for your line of work, 
You need to network. You need to socialize. So in a way, it is interfering with your functioning if it's a repeated pattern because it's not helping you grow your business. You value being a good businessman. You value your podcast. So um, it's the degree to which it interferes with your functioning. For example, um, I see a lot of college students. We talked about this. And um, those that have social anxiety, some of them have a really, really big problem talking in class. And they know, let's say, that they're going to get called on because they'll call on people to talk. And they count how many people are before them. They prep what they're going to say. They convince themselves that they're going to have a panic attack if they have to say something, that they'll have a panic attack, everybody will laugh at them, or they're going to say something and everyone's going to think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's extremely anxiety-provoking. And it's, the, the thing is, though, I will tell you, this is probably one of my favorite disorders to treat because it's extremely treatable. And when you see results, they're kind of a bit more sudden with social anxiety disorder because it's kind of like either you went or you didn't. Either you did it or you didn't. Um, and I, I really, really like working with social anxiety disorder because when they get past that terror, that fear, like a whole world opens up for them. And I, I just, that's like my favorite part. I love seeing that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and, that, and I've only... Uh probably had a few friends that have run into what I would say definite social anxiety and what you're describing and mm-hmm. that feeling is awesome once they kind of yeah. you did you've done that for me I mean just a, it's really just taken a lot of value that same thing yeah out of the situation and once you do that and see somebody's happiness and like oh this is what life is and I right drink this glass of water and not feel subconscious about the way exactly even like ordering in restaurants there's a lot of people that will ahead of time look at the menu online and not just to see like oh what kind of food do they have but look on the menu so they can plan the script in their head of how they're going to order their food and so you could see how this would be a nightmare for people who go on dates right a nightmare for you know zoom for the last year and a half people with social anxiety disorder um, people may think that they actually had an easier time because they're not around people but if you had to do Zoom all the time and people are doing nothing but staring at your face and if you have social anxiety disorder that centers around how you look or centers around you saying something stupid or being judged, which is kind of the hallmark of it, it was literally in your face all day, every day. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't escape. You, you, I mean, it was there. Yes, that's how you're – I mean, it's gotten – I. yeah, uh, it was worse for me. I mean, like, I, I – yep. I, I don't believe I have any form of social anxiety, but uh, just that alone of uh, going to, going through the, the having to connect with somebody every day forcibly, yes. forcibly like, oh, enough, you know enough That's enough. Right. Um, so from that, I guess there is this. This is another thing that probably tend people tend to yell out too, right? In terms of ADHD, like we, we hate or you know yeah. just like. Oh, personality disorder, whatever it is. Yep. Um, what is something you should and should not say to people that have social anxiety when you are trying to help those people? What do I say? Say that again. You cut out. All right. What, what should we be saying to people that we believe have social anxiety or have identified themselves as, as a friend or what do I say to my patients? As a friend. As a friend. Um, you know, just support them, but you also don't want to enable them. So if you know that maybe going to, let's say it's somebody that doesn't like being in large crowds of people they don't know, maybe 
you don't invite them to that type of concert, but maybe there's a smaller concert that they can go to or something just smaller, smaller venue or, or something like that. So I think that that's important and you work with them. You want to encourage them to do small things, but you don't want to do these huge, massive things because then people are going to bail or make up an excuse not to go. But let them know that you know that they're anxious. You're there with them. You'll be there with them and kind of use it as a support. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. I'm putting <laughs> this is a hot mess. Right. What? Uh, what other form of <laughs> social anxieties can kind of creep up into what you're talking about as well? Because I know those are pretty nuances, not just like, hey, we want to go to, don't feel like going to this party or whatever it is. So what, what other types of social anxiety are there that may, might not be identifiable on the surface right away? So there's, there's social anxiety, but the, but the nuances lie in what specifically the person's anxious about. So social anxiety disorder is, there, there aren't subtypes or types, it's just social anxiety disorder. But um, a co very common one would be kind of public speaking is a big one. Uh, and then it could be, and this is why when someone has social anxiety disorder, I'm very nitpicky on assessing them because you can't just assume that it's people. It's either, you know, they don't like being in one-on-one -on -one conversations with people they know, or they don't like being in small groups of people they don't know. They don't like being in large crowds. So it really depends. Certain people, certain areas, certain events, um, they, could, they could, you know, dislike being around people in their class, but they're fine when they're outside of the classroom. So it really varies and you really have to do a good job assessing it because when you work on this with people, you don't want to assume that it's a one size fits all approach because it's not. Everybody's kind of anxious about different things. Um, ordering food at a restaurant. Some people with social anxiety may be totally fine with that because it's a waiter they don't know, but it depends maybe who they're out to dinner with. Mm -hmm. Right? It maybe. Yeah. Can you that's what was leading to my next question. Can any of this be high-functioning social anxiety? Is that even a thing? Or is that just... Um, I, I, I mean, high-functioning social anxiety, I think any type of high-functioning anxiety is just kind of, you know, as we talked about, just doing, 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 doing mm. as a way to kind of avoid feeling uncomfortable. And so I'm sure going out, socializing, doing things like that and doing a lot of it is probably tied into high functioning anxiety, I'm sure. Um, but social anxiety is a type of anxiety disorder. And I'm sure you can have high functioning social anxiety, meaning, you know, if you have to network, let's say you're going to every single event under the sun because you need to, but you're, you're dying inside. Yeah. Yes. That's uh... <laughs> Pretty on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that makes a, 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 t a ton of sense, um, at least to me overall. I, I was wondering what is, uh, ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw I, that. Yeah. <laughs> Can you read these? Because I don't have my glasses, so I want to. Well, uh, Anna was uh, chiming in here. Could you be people-pleasing uh, being a thing with uh, high-functioning social anxiety? Is that so? Is that so high functioning. So separate high functioning social anxiety. Let's just right. social anxiety. So social anxiety um, can very much have a people pleasing component to it. 
because a lot of times the person will engage in people pleasing type behaviors to ensure that the other person likes them to ensure that because that's the thing they don't like me they don't like me so it ensures that the other person likes them if they just do enough for them or it ensures that the other person isn't going to judge them and the other person will um, not talk badly about them or not think badly about them so it's very common that people pleasers or that so people with social anxiety disorder are people pleasers because but they're also trying to fix something that doesn't even exist in the first place so and uh, what is, is it, is there something common that people with social anxiety try to fix first? People with social anxiety disorder will try to fix their misperception that other people don't like them. So they will do things to get other people to like them when the person disliking them isn't even an issue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or they'll they'll do certain things to protect themselves from being embarrassed when no one's looking at them anyway. So would you say a lot of self-sabotage goes into this? Uh, indirectly, mm -hmm. for sure. Because if somebody's, let's say, people-pleasing or constantly doing something over and over and over again to get the other person to think good things about them, they could... Are you there? You froze. Yeah. Yeah, you there. They could come across as very annoying they could come across as very clingy. They could come across as very kind of in your face, overwhelming. Um, but really what they're doing is trying to get you to like them uh, because there's that fear that you don't. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, um, which when I say it, you'll, you'll laugh because of course this is what I say to my patients when this happens, but yeah. Um, so I, I wait until I have a good rapport with them because I think if I said this on session one, they'd, they'd probably walk out and never come back. <laughs> Um, but one of the things, well, actually I'll tell you the story first and then I'll tell you why I say what I say. So I had a patient, um, I forget where I was, where it was a, it was a university of Pennsylvania student. This was when I was on my practicum thing at Penn and she, I will never forget this. She told me that she, I was working with her. She had horrible social anxiety disorder. She had a horrible, it was so bad that she couldn't even go to Dunkin' Donuts to order coffee. She mm. was nervous that she would drop her money, that it would take too long to say her order, that she would hold up the line and everybody would get, get annoyed with her, everybody would laugh at her, no one would like her. Um, and what if they messed up her order? She would never be able to say anything. And this went on and on and on in the session. And I'm purposely having her tell me all of these things, kind of listing them. And they just, to you and I, they're kind of like, what's, no. But you can't ask somebody, well, what's the likelihood that's gonna happen? Because in their eyes, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. So she was fearful that that was going to happen. So she, that was her plan. That was her thing she was going to do. She was going to try to go to Dunkin' Donuts. And she said that when she went, she went and she said it was horrible. She was sweating. She was scared. She'd have a panic attack. Also, social anxiety disorder and panic attack are, are, are very linked together because, very much linked together because a lot of times people are fearful of having a panic attack in front of other people. So, um, which is panic disorder, but anyway, it goes with social anxiety disorder. Anyway, yeah, I'm doing an awesome job at this. So she went to Dunkin' Donuts and she was very, very proud of herself. And as she's leaving, she, her backpack falls and all her change spills everywhere all over the place. Okay. Yes. This, no, I said change. This was 
this was a long time ago before people just used their debit cards. <laughs> people don't use those pennies and nickels and they fell out. <laughs> rolling rolling it up for uh do they, make, do they make them yeah. anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so so um she was horrified, absolutely horrified, and everyone was looking at her, everyone this and everyone that. So I stopped her, and I said, how many of those people do you think are stressed about school? You're at Penn. People are working their asses off. She said, probably all of them. I said, probably all of them. And I said, how many of them do you think are in, like, bad relationships with girlfriends or boyfriends and breaking up with people? And she said, probably a lot. I said, how many of them do you think have physical illnesses or depression or anxiety? She's like, probably a lot. She keeps saying this over and over again. And I said, so let me ask you a question. <laughs> I said, you have all this stuff going on. Why are you so special mm. that they're just going to focus on you? What makes you so special? For someone who thinks that everybody hates them, why are you so special that all they're going to do is think about you? And I remember her face, her face just kind of, I'm like, I'm either going to get a shoe thrown at my head or I just like, like blew her mind and like, she's going to, she's going to, she sits there, she goes, I'm not special. Just like that. And then she looks, she goes, oh my God, I'm not special. I'm not special. And she couldn't have been more excited that she wasn't special. <laughs> I'm not fucking. I'm not special. <laughs> That's a good realization. Yeah, and so from that point on, she really kind of had a different mindset and awareness. Because remember, depression and anxiety a lot of times look like the person's selfish because it's very inward focused. They're not selfish. It's just that everything around them is, is kind of how it affects them. And yes. so social anxiety sort of can look very selfish. It's also very exhausting for the other people that are around you. Um, so when this <laughs> happens... She just was slowly starting to do these things, and it was like a whole new world for her. And once that perception shifts, right, it's like when we say with narcissists, once you see the behavior, you can't unsee it. It's the same kind of thing. as once you kind of shift gears in that perspective, it's, you may fall into it every now and then when you're stressed or when you're in one of your really anxiety-provoking situations. But generally speaking, once you kind of hit that point, that's why I love working with it so much. Once you kind of hit that point, you're, you're pretty good to go. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's that same kind of like key that gets unlocked. You're like, oh, yes. The value you always talk about yes. pretty much each week. It's, yep. it's that feeling. And I wonder then is uh, in someone who is in here just you know Brooke is is uh, asking about agoraphobia, and I'm wondering what is that in line with a is that a social anxiety disorder? Is that in a, in a so that's more with panic disorder. Agoraphobia is more of you know it's a fear of leaving your house things like that, but it's really about a fear of panicking and not being i can't hear you oh no i know i'm yelling at um, uh, a child <laughs> <laughs> oh that's okay then Dang. that's hey, totally fine yeah totally fine um so <laughs> so it's more about um fear of having panic attacks um fear of like not being able to get back to your safe spot. So could it come from social anxiety, this fear of going out? Yeah, but it's more, it's more panic based mm -hmm. um, than like just avoiding a situation because people are going to talk badly about you or think badly about you.
Okay. That yeah, that that makes sense. And if I guess if uh, you know, how do we try to get to where you were just describing that girl from Penn is I mean for obvious reasons, you're not going to say that to a lot of people in the first go. It's like, oh, you have social anxiety, get over it. You're not special. Right. You know, uh, right. But, right. I don't say, I didn't say get over it. Oh, you didn't say get over it either. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to. I didn't say get over it. Nor would I say anybody to get over it because it's something you don't get over, something you manage and deal with every day. Right. Uh, but uh, I, I guess, is there, though, another baby step in here for? people with social anxiety? Like, how, how can I go, almost try and have that realization myself without someone pushing me to it? It's a tough so one. here's my thing with that. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's my thing with that. So I look at disorders that are very inward focused like this as like, as like, I hate saying tornado now, but like, that's what I compare it to as tornado, but like, probably the wrong thing to say right now, but tornado. And it's just wraps you up, consumes you, consumes you, consumes you. You can't get that alternative perspective when you're trying to get it within the tornado that you're already in. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to do that. And so you really need someone objectively to kind of reach in and pull you out. It's not something that's going to necessarily happen on your own. You really, you really do. If it's, that, if it's interfering with your functioning to that extent, you really should be in therapy with somebody who focuses on the behavioral aspect of social anxiety disorder and gradually, you know, or give you coping skills to deal with anxiety, breathing, muscle relaxation, things like that, so that you feel well-equipped to then go slowly into situations that make you socially anxious and kind of experience them with those coping skills gradually so that you can see that you can do this and still be okay. So you can go to a party, be horribly anxious, and still go to the party and mm -hmm. have people understand that just because you feel anxious, it doesn't mean it, it controls your behavior, right? Like you can, you can feel anxious, think, you can think somebody hates you and at the same time have a conversation with them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, and people always think that it, it causes your behavior. I'm, I can't go to the party. I'm so anxious. No, if you don't have a car or you don't have, or you, you know, you're, you're busy that night then yeah, you can't go to the party. But having anxiety isn't something that stops you from doing something, if that makes sense. Um, and the example I give is um, if you put your hands on your lap, so everyone put, put their hands on their lap, and say to themselves out loud, say to themselves out loud, say to themselves or say it out loud, scratch your head. Scratch your head. Yep. Keep your hands on your lap. Oh, hands on your lap and say scratch your head. Yes. Okay. Scratch your head. Are you scratching your head? Not scratching my head. Why not? You told me not to. Right. <laughs> but if thoughts guided your behaviors, yes. wouldn't you be scratching your head right now? Absolutely. The first, yes. first one, definitely. I, yeah, I started, yeah, but I, I totally understand what you mean. Be that's because of the technical difficulties that you were having tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, be Forever, Laura uh, coming in here, uh, BG uh, asking if there's you know ways to deal with anxiety. Absolutely, and, and to Laura's question, I think these kind of two tie together in that because I've had experience specifically with this. And any idea why someone would start getting panic attacks while they're driving in the highway? Because that's when you're thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
it's it's plain and simple really and most exactly me i'm thinking the most driving i turn off the music now most of the time mm -hmm. I, like, I like the silence and if your brain starts going that way <laughs> like you could absolutely give yourself a panic attack while you're mm -hmm. driving one of the i think i had explained this on one of the episodes but i had mentioned to dr z heading into work one night like i had a goal i finished it and didn't even process what I was doing in there and had such a high, low panic attack while driving. It freaked me out. It was almost mm -hmm. uh, like an out-of-body experience type mm -hmm. of attack. And I just think that's pretty plain and simple of like recognizing it, breathing. You had already mentioned that. It's, mm -hmm. one, you know, it's, it sounds silly, but breathing really does slow you down. And that's what you need to, you need to slow well, down. Breathing, breathing, it's what it is. It's retraining your body. So when you are super anxious, your body and brain think that you are in danger. No different than being chased down the street by someone with a gun. No difference than a robber breaking into your house. Your brain doesn't know the difference. It just knows your heart's racing. Your breathing is shallow. And so your brain goes into that fight or flight mode, right? And the problem is, is that those body sensations, racing heart, numbness and tingling in your extremities, your pupils dilating, your stomach, your stomach getting into knots. We say that that's because you're, when you're in fight or flight mode, your digestive system like, kind of gets put on hold in a way. So all of these things are happening in your body to protect you from danger. The problem is going to a party is not a dangerous situation. Driving in your car is not a dangerous situation. A panic attack, people miss this all the time. You will never, ever, ever die from a panic attack. It's impossible, it doesn't happen. I know you feel like you will, but you do not die from a panic attack. So your body gets into this mode of thinking that you're gonna die, and so it responds in a certain way. It's adaptive, it's survival, it's necessary, or else we all would have been dead already because it wouldn't, our bodies wouldn't be able to warn us of danger. We would have gotten hit by cars multiple times over again or whatever, something. Um, so the reason why social anxiety becomes debilitating is for the reason that your body is responding to very benign, innocent situations where it, it doesn't need to. Yeah, and it's, it is that powerful. Like, mm -hmm. it's, that's what keeps the panic going, and it's the hardest right. Special and speak, speaking of driving, like when you're fishtailing, you automatically want to go to where you're fishtailing for whatever reason. Instead right. of where yeah, I probably said that wrong too, but it's it's yeah. that like I'm never gonna get out of this high mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it just keeps going and going and going. Mm -hmm. and yeah, like extreme cases, you will shut down absolutely. Your body doesn't know what to do and it's protecting itself. Yeah, and but here's the thing too: you never will be able to recondition your brain and your breathing, all that stuff, if you keep avoiding these situations. Because by going to the party, even though it sucks and it feels horrible, you're showing yourself that you can do it, right? You're giving yourself a sense of mastery. But you're also showing your brain and your body that nothing dangerous happened. Therefore, when this situation arises again, and you have another party to go to, your brain and your body remember, oh, we've been here before. It's not threatening. Okay, like, you know, call the adrenaline back, call the cortisol back. We don't need it right now. Yes. And so the only way that your brain gets used to that is if you actually put yourself in a situation. So if you wait to feel less anxious, 
and you wait to feel better before doing the thing that makes you socially anxious, you will be waiting for the rest of your life. Yep. Yep. And, and even the smallest, because I think we all have a little bit of social anxiety. It's, you know, just to, at some point or another, um, if you have, no, no. Well, then, yeah, it shouldn't be. We may have anxiety. We may have nervousness about certain situations, mm -hmm. about you know, speaking in public or, you know, we may get nervous going to an event because we don't know anybody. That's not social anxiety. So when we say like a little bit of social anxiety disorder, there's no such thing. Got you. Okay. That's just, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It makes complete Yeah, that's just nervousness. And that's, that's 100%, 100% normal. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess there is a, uh, where was I going there? <laughs> I forgot. Sorry, guys. Uh, I, I, I guess there is like when, when we get to these, when we get to that corner of, of whatever we were kind of, our, whatever our goal was for that night. I mean, like, is, is it the same kind of disappointment, I guess, with social anxiety, where if you don't do the thing that you said you were going to do, it kind of even makes it worse. And it does person just builds up and builds up and builds up it does from a physiological standpoint because you're basically saying yes brain thank you for letting me know that this is dangerous you're right i'm not going to go there so you you kind of reassure your brain and all you know all the stuff that it's doing in your body and the other thing you're doing is you you're giving yourself a message that you're incapable of doing this because of your anxiety which we know feelings and thoughts don't cause behaviors um they influence them but they don't cause them and then lastly you 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 kind of send yourself a message that it's hopeless, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're doing the, by not going, you're making yourself more anxious. You're making yourself feel worse about yourself. And this is also why depression is very much tied into social anxiety disorder, because guess what happens the more you start to socially isolate yourself or the more you stop going to class, you fail your class then you feel like crap because it's not that you're not intelligent and smart. It's that you can't be around people. So imagine how crappy that makes you feel when you know you could have mastered this class, but you couldn't go because you were scared to talk. Yep. Yeah. And that happens. That happens a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I've seen that happen a lot. And, and Lynn Marie saying, uh, questioning is, is your throat getting tight when trying to speak among strangers and the heartbeat goes up? Is that social anxiety? I don't, yeah, is. I mean, that's what ha I mean, when you're socially anxious and you're in a situation that mm -hmm. is anxiety. I mean, anxiety, mm -hmm. it, there is a huge physiological component to anxiety, racing heart, shortness of breath. Um, you know, like I said, st your, your intestines are start to kind of tense up, your muscles tense up, um, your body goes into that, that, that mode that something's dangerous. So yeah, absolutely. That happens. That happens in, you know, in a, in a lot of anxiety, that is anxiety. That's just the physiological part of anxiety. Whereas with panic, panic is largely a, a response to heightened physiological symptoms of anxiety. And Anna with a follow-up there too, can you ever kind of talk your way out of that panic anxiety? Okay. Tell yourself to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my soapbox here like this. <clears throat> yes. Oh, and this happens. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> so, great question. It depends on who you ask. It depends on what um, approach the psychologist takes. There are many different approaches to this. They are all equally effective. 
I personally just do more of a acceptance behavior-based approach. So if you're asking me, can you talk yourself out of a panic attack? I'm going to tell you no, because if you keep trying to talk yourself out of a panic attack, all you're doing is keeping yourself stuck in your head mm -hmm. rather than being present in the moment. And when you're in a state of panic, you are not in that, when you peak, so panic kind of goes like this. It's, it, it goes like this. It kind of gradually goes like this, and then it's like boom, and then it goes boom. <laughs> so this buildup, you actually have a lot of time before you escalate to that peak. So let's say here is zero, here is zero and mm -hmm. here's where you peak. And let's say there's 10 steps in between here. If your anxiety gets to about a seven, you have to ride this out like a wave. Because if you try to talk yourself out of it, you're going to stay at that peak a lot longer you're going to make the anxiety worse because talking yourself out of it, if it worked, you wouldn't be having panic attacks mm -hmm. because you could talk yourself out of it all day long, but it keeps you stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't, I wouldn't encourage somebody to talk themselves out of it prior to the panic attack. When they start to feel because I help people feel like those kind of triggers early on so they mm -hmm. can notice them before they get to that peak. Then you can use things like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this right now. I know that this is because of this. And so you can kind of talk through that. But talking to your thoughts, like if you're in the middle of a panic attack and you're like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Rather than challenging yourself, you're not going to die, you're not going to die. Because then you're, the, the, the anxiety side is going to say, yeah, but maybe you will. <laughs> like, you know. So instead of doing that, I have people – look objectively at the thought saying I'm having the thought that I'm going to die rather than I'm going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to die. Sounds final. It sounds real. If you say I'm having the thought that I'm going to die, it gives you some objectivity and that's a hell of a lot easier on your brain than trying to convince yourself that you're not dying when you feel like dying. Yes. And Dr. Z, I hope this doesn't sound like talking yourself out of a panic attack, but there are, if just like you said, if you are present in the moment and you understand that it's going on. Yes. And are you ready for another John movie analogy? Yes. Bring it. Bring so, it. Have you ever seen Fight Club? Love Fight Club. Okay. So, you know, in the beginning uh, or towards the beginning when Brad Pitt grabs Ed Norton's hand and yes. puts the guy on top yes. of Yes. Right? Yes. Like, oh, huh. yes. Pain, pain. And he's trying to describe like. And he hey, tells him to sit with it. If you go to water it's going to be worse. That's right. But if you just be present in the moment yes. and then understand that you just need to dump vinegar on it to neutralize it. Yes. That is basically what a panic Correct. is. That's, that, that is excellent. Thank you very much. Carrie. Carrie, that was a good one. Woohoo! We did it. But that's, that is <laughs> it's sitting in that uncomfortableness like yes. you've all described and being like, okay, I'm having a panic attack. I'm having... Well, I don't know. That's not really a thought at that point. No, right? you, you're having a panic attack. Yes, you're having a thought. You can, I'm having the thought that it's never going to end versus it's not going to end. Great phrase. Right. There. Or I'm, I'm, even for social anxiety, so I'm, I'm, I'm having the thought that this person is judging me. I'm having the thought that this person doesn't like me versus this person doesn't like me. Yes. Oh, is that and if you say like, okay, well, give me the reasons why they don't like you. You, you can tell me there, there aren't any reasons. Yeah. Then the anxiety goes, yeah, but, mm -hmm. yeah, but this. So if instead, 
I'm having the thought that they're judging me allows you to be objective to it. And it gives you that space to kind of see things like they're on like the credits on a movie screen to see them rather than being stuck in your head. Because the more you're stuck in your head, arguing your thoughts back and forth, the more not present you are. And that's where you need to be to really kind of reduce anxiety is being in the moment and unfortunately being uncomfortable in order to have it dissipate. People think that just because you're uncomfortable, you're, you're regressing or just because you're uncomfortable that it's, that you're going backwards or it's bad. It's actually not the, the, the anxiety that you have is actually meaning you're, you're moving forward. It, mm -hmm. It's part of the progress. Yes. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, uh, I, I, I wonder too, in, in we, we've gone through a, a good amount of uh, anxiety, panic attack, social anxiety. Is there more acute versions of social anxiety that we haven't covered yet? You mean scenarios? Scenarios, yes, yeah. I mean, it really, it could, it could be anything. It could be a job interview. It could be, it's any social situation where you feel that you are being judged, you're being... Um, that, that you're not liked, that there's something ro inherently wrong with you, different from you, that everybody sees it, everybody notices it. They don't, you know, I'm talking, not really giving diagnostic criteria, but try to apply it to you guys. Um, you know, the friends don't really want you around. They just invited you because they felt bad. Um, you know, of any trauma in someone's life necessarily, or is that just one incident? Could that be multiple incidents? Could it be... Is that like, how, how does one develop social anxiety through their life? Yeah. So, so, so anxiety in general can be, right, there's a genetic component to it. It can be kind of passed on through, through generations. The way it manifests, though, can vary based on your experiences. So let's say growing up, you were bullied, right? You were made fun of, you were picked on, um, and you were just from an early age around friends and schoolmates that made schoolmates. Wow. <laughs> wow. I sound like my grandmother. <laughs> your schoolmates. Five. Schoolmates. If they make fun of you and you're, you know, that, that's, that can definitely can affect your core self and your self-esteem, which is self-esteem is very much tied into social anxiety. Um, your sense of self very much tied into social anxiety. So, yeah, I mean, it, it can develop from, it does develop from situations like that or growing up in a family where, let's say, you were constantly picked on for every single little thing that you did, right? Like you, you didn't wash the dishes well enough and why didn't you, you know, you got a 99, why didn't you get a 100? So you're, you're internalizing this message from your family or your parents or whoever, your caregivers, that nothing you do, do is good enough and therefore you suck, and so if you take that message about yourself and you kind of put it on to other people and assume that if you feel that way about yourself, well, then yet yeah, everybody else is going to feel that way about you. They don't realize that their perception is a narrative, is a story that they've been told about themselves growing up that they chose to believe because you have your parents telling you, so why wouldn't you believe it? And they assume that that narrative is shared by every single person around them when it's not. Where the self-sabotaging comes into play is if that person continues to do things to get those people to like them, those people may get annoyed or may, um, it may be too much, it may be too overwhelming, so they start to back off, let's say, and then that person says, see, uh, yep, they didn't like me. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So it's kind of, it kind of becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah. 
quick confirmation bias and then you're out, right? Yes, like, exactly. Um, and I wonder if that's like is. And then you don't have to socialize. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And and you had, had said something that I think, even if you don't have social anxiety, um, for some reason, my mentality of telling myself it's not good enough as a motivating factor was honestly just me telling me I'm not good enough to myself. And then you buy that over years and years and years and years. It leads to the same kind of, kind of thing too. So yes, it is after 20 years of doing it, I'm great at what I do. And I'm okay to say that now. Like it, don't, it doesn't need to be like uh, hide or be humble because right. otherwise you're going to be telling yourself a bunch of lies too. Yeah. And I think where a lot of this stuff develops and why, yeah. why, why is it, is it just easier to self deprecate because it just feels like you're, you're bragging or you're like, how do, how do you, yeah. how does that happen? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it has to do with how accomplishments were, were discussed and viewed growing up. I mean, if you were, you know, telling everybody that you, you know, you, you won, I don't know, your, your, the track award or whatever. And like you were telling everyone and your family says to you like, all right, we get it enough. You won, you know, or they kind of put you down and say, like, all right, you won, but the best athlete wasn't there that day. So, you know, things like that. Um, you know, you're just given message. I mean, those are extreme, but you're given messages that your accomplishments are kind of like, yeah. And right. <laughs> um, so, so I think that that definitely plays, plays a role in that as well. I think it, again, it's all about the, the message that you tell yourself based on what you're told about you. And it's only when you realize that that was just a story you were told and that you've been living as if that story is true about yourself. Only then can you kind of separate from that and start to figure out like, okay, well that actually isn't true. I, I'm not disliked by people. Right. And right. when you, when that perception shift happens, like I said, it's one of the best things watching people with social anxiety disorder get better. Yes. Well, yeah. And that's like to see, and I, now that you've said that, like it, uh, there are a couple of people that honestly in the last couple of days have kind of unlocked that key too. I like to talk to everybody when they feel comfortable about it in my studio and all that stuff, just to, cause honestly, and this is just totally sidebar here, but without Dr. Z, I don't think we're in my little community. I don't think we're trying to normalize mental health talks and things like that. So I, I do, I, this is working. Even in my own life, I just, I want to tell you how much I appreciate this because it's Aww. not, this isn't just, you know, this is very Spouting rare. symptoms. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah. All, like, and, and, and to have an understand, a better understanding when people come into my life and go like, ooh, that sounds like yes. this, what yes. Dr. said, yes. that like that. And you know how I've told you how obsessive I am about hearing those things yes. and we're that behavior. So it's, it is incredibly helpful and to your point of everyone has this everyone has this like there are so many people that have social anxiety anxiety depression you know because we're all human and it's just in it's, it's kind of weird everyone that, has anxiety because if you didn't you'd be dead yeah like like you can't right. not have anxiety it's a naturally occurring evolutionary based kind of evolution yeah evolutionary based survival mechanism that your body has on purpose so that when you cross the street and you hear a car coming your your heart rate goes up and you freak out and you guess what 
you move away. If yeah. you didn't have anxiety, <laughs> splat, you're done. Like yeah. you'd be yeah. dead. We'd all be dead. Mm -hmm. um, and so when people say, I want to get rid of my anxiety, I, I tell them, well, the, uh, you'll die. Like, I just, <laughs> you'll die, you know? And, yeah. that's, and that's a great, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously my style, but like, you know, it's, it's, they kind of look at me like, what, <laughs> you know, they think <laughs> if, cause they have anxiety, they're going to die. Actually, the opposite is true. Um, you can't die from anxiety. Now, can you have anxiety if you have it chronically over 40 years, 50 years have increased rates of cancer, increased rates of heart disease. Yes, absolutely. Because increased cortisol and all of that fun stuff that's going on in your body. Um, yes, you can, it puts you at increased risk. So it does affect you in that way, but anxiety itself, panic itself, you cannot die from. It is a survival mechanism. So it's actually doing the opposite that you think it is. It's actually protecting your body and you in a situation that is not threatening, but yet your body thinks it is. <laughs> From this, which is From, like crazy. exactly correct. Yeah, right. yeah. Your thoughts are manipulating your body. Yeah, it is. It'll make you feel like you're gonna die. Certainly, right. like, the, the pain is incredible. Actually, it's your body tricking your mind because that it. Huh? Your what happens is, is your heart starts beating fast. You interpret that as, oh my god, something's wrong. And then it, it keeps on yeah. going, going, going. So it actually is initially just a normal sensation that you kind of escalate because you're interpreting it as like, my heart's racing. Oh God, something's wrong. Something's wrong, you know? And it's very hard to differentiate between the two, the thoughts, the feelings, emotions, behaviors. And that's why it's super important to do that. So you know exactly what it is that you're feeling or thinking or doing at the time. It help. It's easier to be able to pull out the behaviors that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, everybody has anxiety. Like you said, I think more people than we know have depression or at least have, you know, have had some sort of moderate depressive episode in their life. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you know, as far as normalizing mental health, you know, I know, and I know we try to do this. We try to talk about it in a way that, people can say like, oh yeah, like my sister did that the other day. Or, you know, like, oh, okay. Like I, yeah, I, yes. My, 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 my girlfriend told me this the other day and I had no idea what she was talking about. Okay. This makes sense. So we try to put it in ways that people can hear it and understand it. And then you give your experiences and I tell my experiences. And I think that really does a good job of normalizing it. But I think something that you said really stuck out to me is when people come into your life and they say that they're doing this, this, and this, you're able to see like, Oh, you know what? That kind of looks like this. And just the simple fact that you bring it up in a normal conversation as like, what are we having for dinner? Mm -hmm. It makes that person feel so validated. It makes them feel heard. It makes them feel like they're not crazy. They're not mentally ill because they're not. Um, and I think that that's so important to do. And I love that you do that. I think it's very, well, I very important. To, to me, and, it, and it's, trust me, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone is capable or wants to, but I feel as though, and maybe you have a good answer to this, because I, how do we do that at our house? How do we do these things amongst our family? How do we do these things where, you know, there's a generational gap between explaining what all this stuff is, um, recognition of it, all that? Like, how do we get to a point where it is comfortable to talk about it in our home because I don't think I don't think we're there yet. So, when you say generational, you mean like us and our parents, or us and our grandparents? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so grandparents. I mean, I'm, you know, my my grandparents are only fifty, so I'm not really sure. But 
But let's just say my grandmother was 95, 96, okay. 97, somewhere. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, yeah. Um, Your great-grandmother. <laughs> great, great, great grandmother. Great. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I just wouldn't have the conversation with her. <laughs> I, honestly, like, like, I think at a certain point, you have to understand, you don't have to like it, but you have to understand that and I know people are like, no, they could change, they can change. But here's the thing, like, do you really have the energy and effort to try to get them to change their view of you? Like, it may be a little bit easier to say to yourself, you know what, it sucks that they'll never understand. They yeah. just won't be one of those people that I use in my support network. It's mm -hmm. kind of like you have to, you have to, how do you want to spend your time? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to spend your time trying to convince somebody of something that they'll never understand? for numerous reasons not that they don't want to understand they just they can't they can't conceptually get it's like when i would try to explain like online shopping to my grandmother like she couldn't <laughs> conceptually understand how it worked or at all in bitcoin to me you know like okay i can't eat right <laughs> it's money that doesn't exist that you can't really buy anything with but you just have it and it's just kind of there where where is it, it it's just there yeah i don't <laughs> right so yes, yeah, so, so it's like kind of like that. It's like I always say to people, try, always try. But if you're not getting anywhere, you know, ask yourself really how much time and energy of your life, of your time that you control, do you want to put into this? And if you find that you continuously try to get them to understand and you keep hitting a wall, then you're asking the wrong question. The question shouldn't be, why can't you understand social anxiety disorder? The question should be, why is it so important to me that I get this one particular person to understand? Why is my progress so contingent on this one person understanding? And work with that instead of trying to convince them. Um, yeah. You know, I well, think... That can yeah. turn into avoidance of the issue, too. You know, if you're yeah, so... Absolutely person yeah so if you keep exactly you keep trying to explain it explain it explain it you're kind of not sitting with it either you're, you're kind of superficially dealing with it i think that's excellent um you know and i think it, at home um i always tell people it's not your responsibility to treat anybody in your family it's not your job to fix them it's not your job to make them well it's not your job to um take their emotions off of them mm -hmm. because that's not going to help them. Um, it's also going to frustrate you. The best thing to do is be there for them, listen to them, tell them you're there as a support and maybe they should seek therapy with somebody who can help them better, right? Who can help yeah. them more, who can give them skills, offer to go with them, right? Offer to go with them to therapy, offer to go with them to the mall if they don't want to go because they're anxious. Offer to go with them to, they don't want to go to the mall, let's sit in the parking lot and see how we feel. Be with them, but don't take over for them because you're doing nothing except getting rid of your own anxiety about them being anxious, right? Like, oh my God, it's so uncomfortable watching her in the mall. She's going to have a panic attack. All right, let's just leave. Let's just leave. You just, made, you know, you just told them you yeah. can't handle your anxiety. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what you're telling them. So you have to be careful with that. Very, 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 very careful. Yes, for sure. Because, and for me, I have that stupid Captain Kirk mentality of like, you know, there's no, there's Who? no bosses. Who? Who? No, 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 I'm. I'll be in my dark chamber over here. Uh, in your Star Wars den. 
Yeah, Star Trek, get it right. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> just totally kidding. But, uh, I messed that up. It's okay. Uh, I, I, uh, the, uh, yeah, the no, the no win scenarios. I don't believe in no win scenarios. So that's mm -hmm. like, if you're that type of person that like has to convince this particular person or that particular person, yes. or it's exactly right. I didn't even think of that. It's just deflecting your own anxiety because they're giving you anxiety. Away. Correct. Correct. And uh, again, you're doing nothing different than probably the patterns are used to, which is right. you're not capable of this. Let me take over and handle it for you because I need to get rid of my anxiety. Yes. Yes. Um, I, man, like I feel as though we learn so much every single night that we, we kind of come on and do this. And again, apologize that it's not on a Sunday. It's on a Wednesday, but uh, you get two. So that's, that's, uh, that's what's good sure. about this. Wednesday, we get a Sunday show. We definitely wanted to tackle some of the social anxiety because we got a lot of questions about that. Um, Dr. C, I've got uh, a very large sandwich that is staring at me. <laughs> I, so it, it, Go eat. Yes. Uh, but, but that being said, anything uh, before we go here, what, uh, what, what should we take away with after the night? Um, I think so. Two main things. You cannot die from anxiety. Ever. 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 And even though you feel like it. And the second <laughs> thing is, for those with social anxiety disorder, gently and kindly ask yourself, why the hell am I so special? <laughs> <laughs> I want to prove that. It's like, right. 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 Why, why the, am I, why the why? hell am I so special that everybody is taking time out of their crazy work week, family issues, dating issues, financial yeah. issues, health issues, to stare at me and think how stupid I am and they don't like me because I don't know why they just don't like me. Exactly. Exactly. Dr. Z, uh, one final note. I did, your earrings are awesome tonight. They look great on you. Are they you. clanging? No, I, I, I thought it was part Ow. of the screen for at least five minutes. <laughs> like, I thought it was like a circle saying like, oh no, her internet's not. <laughs> I'm really, I was like, oh, oh, just an earring. I've done that like three times tonight. <laughs> so no headphones, thinking ear. Yeah, yeah, thinking ear. You know, That's and, great. And my bad. It's <laughs> been a wonderful night once again. Thank you for being <laughs> live. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Dr. Z. Until Sunday. Yes, until Sunday. I will um, we'll make sure it's downloaded tomorrow so you can download this. Yes. And we'll see you Sunday. Five stars, all that fun stuff. Apple, Spotify, Amazon. We'll see you next. Oh, no, we'll see you in a couple of days. See you on Sunday. Yes. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan, Bill and the Birdman, right here. We start on Sunday, too. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.